certified health coach and I help people heal their relationships with food and their body and take their life back from diet culture. And if you are a new listener, welcome to the pod. I'm so happy to have you here. If you're returning, welcome back. I'm so grateful that you are spending some of your time with me today. Today we have a really candid, raw, real, vulnerable interview with Caitlin Green from Star Infinite Foods. It is perhaps one of the most candid, or at least up there in terms of most candid and raw interviews we've had on the pod. And I am really excited for you guys to listen to this because I think her story is really relatable in a lot of ways. I think her story is our story in some ways. And she's someone who has overcome a lot and has dealt with a lot of really difficult hardships and her story is inspiring. I hope it gives you hope and I hope that you feel less alone by listening to this and there are so many valuable lessons and takeaways from Caitlin's story. So you will walk away with immense value after listening to this. I do want to give you a heads up a little bit of a trigger warning. There is some triggering language with mentions of numbers and talking about food in um, like a good food, bad food kind of way. And I left the, I left it in there instead of editing it out because I believe it's how we talk when we're struggling. And I think it makes the story more relatable and more real. And so I decided to keep it in there, but I want to give you a slight trigger warning. If you are someone who is triggered by those types of things, just a heads up. Now that said, I think that this episode is incredible. We talk about, you know, Caitlin's high achieving behaviors and like always looking for what's next and being type A and wanting to be the best and being competitive. And I think that when we're struggling with eating disorders, those are really common characteristics. And we also talk a lot about not wanting to feel our uncomfortable feelings. And when we're not willing to feel what we're feeling, we often numb and check out and suppress and turn to food and exercise to not deal with our stuff. And we turn to trying to control our food in our body to find control in our lives. And Caitlin shares these elements of her story. And again, it's raw and real and vulnerable. And I'm really excited for you guys to listen. Before we dive in, just two quick little things. I want to read to you guys a recent podcast review on the podcast. If you have been loving this show, it would mean so much to me if you would go and leave a ratings review on iTunes or if you would share it in your Instagram stories. That is one of the best ways to give back to the podcast and to keep it going and also to help it reach more people that need to hear this message. So here is a recent review. It is from Brandy624, and it is called Life Changing. This podcast has helped me make connections I didn't know existed. For example, restriction is not the answer. In fact, it's part of the problem. This this podcast has prompted subtle changes in my relationship with food, myself, and other people. It is filled with hope, and after decades of disordered eating and hating myself over it, it is such a relief. Thank you, Kara. The work you do, the world needs it. Follow her on Instagram for more inspiration to heal your relationship with food. So Brandy, thank you so much for that review. It means so much to me to know that this podcast has made a difference for you. And then the last thing I want to remind you of is that the cookbook is still available for pre-order. It would mean so much to me if you would go and order it. And I know you're going to love it. It would be so cool to have a place on your shelf 
uh, on your bookshelf with that cookbook. The links to pre-order are in the show notes here underneath where you're listening to. You can go to my Instagram profile at Kara's Kitchen. The links are in there or you can go to karaskitchen.net. The links are on my website. Okay, without further ado, let's get into today's interview, incredible, powerful interview with Caitlin Green. Caitlin Green is the founder of Star Infinite Food, a blog that started out as a journey of finding a healthy balance with foods in 2016 after battling an eating disorder. With no formal cooking experience, she grew up in a family of cooks and has been in the kitchen since five years old. She began sharing her recipes made with simple ingredients and whole foods. Her recipes, along with her vibrant photography and ability to connect with the community, has gained her over 100,000 followers. The time of this recording, it is almost 200,000 followers. Caitlin now continues to inspire others with her colorful meals by showing that healthy food can be exciting and easy. She has been featured on the Feed Feed, Whole Foods, Mar- Whole Foods Market, and Drew Manning's recipe book. Caitlin Green lives in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. Today, I have Caitlin Green of Star Infinite Foods here. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, So let's just dive right in and get started. Would you share with us about your relationship with food in your body growing up? Sure. Um, So, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in a family where my, there was, I guess that you could say that there was like a a fair amount of judgment, but it was very passive. Um, It was like, my mom was always, you know, pretty slender and like worked out, always tried to eat like a pretty healthy way. And um, she was never the one to kind of like tell you, you know, some, like somebody like they need to lose weight or this and that, but she was very, um, it was like, she would always comment on oh you know you look great have you lost weight or you know oh look at that woman's body you know those types of comments and growing up you know you kind of it's become second nature hearing those types of things especially when that's kind of the only exposure you really have um and I was always you know pretty athletic growing up I always played sports and stuff but I um I never really had the greatest body image um you know I was I, I just, I was never really super comfortable with my body image growing up. And I think it was it stemmed from, I think a lot of my, my mother's comments and things like that, but, and also, you know, just exposure to media, as you know, with the diet culture. Um, but I was never unhappy. I just, I think I always wanted, oh, I just want, you know, thinner legs or I just want this or whatever it might be. Um, and it was never something I put a lot of thought into growing up. Um, but, you know, as I reached high school, um, I got knee surgery. Um, I think it was my sophomore year of high school. And so I wasn't able to do track or, um, soccer, volleyball, anything that I was doing, you know, prior to for the last couple of years of high school. And I also went on my birth control at the time and, I had, you know, I had put on a little bit of weight and when I graduated high school, I, I wasn't really aware of, you know, what was kind of spiraling in my head, but, you know, I, I did lose, I started to lose weight and not in the healthiest of ways. Um, and this was prior to my eating disorder really actually taking precedence in my life. It was, 
I mean, at the time it was in a very unhealthy way. I actually started um, smoking cigarettes. Um, I was taking Adderall. And, you know, these aren't things I really talk about a lot because, you know, I'm today, you know, I'm 31 and I'm a wellness influencer. So, you know, looking back, it's very different lifestyle than I live now. But I, um, and I started to lose weight and I felt, you know, kind of a little bit more comfortable with my body in a way. I, you know, I still didn't have, I didn't really have that mind body connection at the time. You know, I wasn't, it was very much, um, just kind of always picking myself apart. So, you know, I felt a little bit more comfortable, but, uh, you know, I, I went to college and I partied a lot and I didn't really have the healthiest relationship with eating throughout college. Um, it was kind of like all or nothing. I would either go all out or I would eat hardly anything. And, you know, and if I did go all out, then I would not really eat a lot for a couple of days. And it was, it was a very unhealthy relationship. It was a very up and down relationship. But, you know, if you look at the flip side of it at the time, you know, I was still getting my regular period, but my relationship with my body was not healthy and my relationship with food was not healthy. It was not until actually my junior year of college that I actually started to kind of take a more whole food approach and start to try and actually like implement some healthier practices in my life. I, you know, I started running again, things that like started to make me feel better. Uh, that kind of was when my awareness with what I was putting into my body and how it made me feel started. And when I graduated from college, um, you know, I had the, my last semester, I was, I overloaded because I had started college a semester late and I was trying to finish early. So I had taken like nine or 10 classes in like one semester. Um, and it was ridiculous. It was like, I did like two online classes. I overloaded at school and it was just a very intense and tiring semester. And I graduated and when I graduated, I was like, okay, like I moved home for the summer I just was like, okay, I'm going to get, I want to feel good. I want to start, you know, eating better. I want to, I just want to like kind of the way I would think of it at the time was like, I just want to kind of like clean up my diet, clean up all this crap that I've been putting into my body really. Um, and so I, you know, I moved home. Um, my mom and I kind of started running on the beach and, um, I actually, I finally quit cigarettes and I, I was feeling good. I was at the time it was, it was in a very like, mindful and it, it was there was a healthy approach to it at the time and when I started running again like a couple months in I was like you know like now I have the time like I want to actually start um you know I haven't competed in years I was like you know I'm going to start um I'm going to sign up for a race and so I trained for a couple months for that and I did the race and I came in first place and it was like I was like super proud of myself you know I I had kind of just done it on my own and it was very out of the blue. And then, you know, I also am a very competitive person in general, in mostly when it comes to myself, you know, it's like, I always want to, it's like, okay, what's next? What's the next goal I can accomplish? You know, I'm a very type A person. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up for another race. And when I did, I think it was, um, it was an obstacle race that I signed up for. And this was kind of when my relationship with food started to kind of get a little bit risky. Um, I started to kind of like restrict even more, uh, or I, I should say I started to restrict in general. Um, 
you know, I was like, oh, you know, I, I want to get leaner, you know, I want to get faster. And probably about, about a month later, uh, I stopped getting my period. And I questioned it, you know, I, I talked to, I think, my mom about it, and uh, my boyfriend at the time, and, you know, I just, it kind of was just like, you know, I have been training really hard, um, you know, it's probably just kind of a fluke. I kind of ignored it for a while, continued training. And that year, that was probably like November. And then that following March or April, I think it was, you know, I still hadn't had my period back. I was still doing races. I was still training. Um, and I went and I decided to see a, a nutritionist. She's actually a very famous nutritionist. Um, I don't want to name her name because I don't want to bring anybody into this, but I went and saw her and she, you know, she was like, you know, I, I don't think that you're like clinically underweight, but I, I think that you're not fueling yourself properly at the right times. And she like put this whole diet plan for me together and I left after, this is bull. And I just was like, you know, she basically was just like, you need to eat this at this time and you need to eat this at this time. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. So I left and I continued to train and I ended up pursuing a trainer that summer um, because I did the Tough Mudder and I ended up qualifying for the Toughest Mudder, which is like a 24 hour race in Las Vegas. And I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, this is like a huge challenge and you know I, I want to push myself so I decided I wanted to do it so I ended up getting a trainer still kind of ignoring the fact you know I hadn't gotten my period back so I started training with a trainer that summer and my obsession with workouts my obsession with food just you know spiraled it continued to spiral it became more obsessive more obsessive um but it was like I kind of like was just barely hanging on there for a couple of years like I would eat enough that I could do what I wanted to do but it wasn't enough that really my body really wanted um but I was afraid to slow down and exercise and I was afraid to increase my food intake and I'm not really sure exactly where that was coming from it really hasn't always been about body image for me um it was a lot about the control and um you know I felt in control and you know, there's a lot of other things going on in my life at the time that I, I didn't feel were in control. Um, you know, one being the relationship that I was in at the time, you know, it was an eight year relationship and I wouldn't say it was completely toxic, but it, it really, it, it was in a lot of ways for me. And, you know, my mother's health at the time wasn't actually started. There was something going on with her. And I think it was really about the control. You know, I was like, you know, I, if I go to the gym for, you know, an hour or two hours every single day, it's like, I, I don't have to feel all this other stuff. I don't have to think about it. Um, I was working at a PR agency at the time um, throughout this whole, this, this entire couple of years. And I just continued to train. I ended up getting a second trainer. And then, you know, a year later when I, I trained, I think it was for nine months and about a month before the race, I had a breakdown and I went out for the weekend with some friends, you know, we drank all weekend, we ate all weekend and I came home 
and it was like Sunday night and I, and I hated my job at the time too. Um, it was actually the, the last corporate job that I had before I, I, I left to be on my own. Um, and I already had anxiety on Sunday nights and I just felt like crap after the weekend and I just started crying and I could not stop crying that night. And I was living with my boyfriend at the time and he was like, what's wrong? And he was just like, I, you know, something is wrong with me. Like, I can't, like, I can't, I can't, I know what's wrong and I can't change it. Like I, I can't stop exercising. You know, I, I can't stop restricting my diet. And I ended up going and seeing my doctor and my doctor said, you know, you have an eating disorder. And I looked at her and I was like, you know, I, I didn't really say anything. And she was like, you know, I think that you need to take a couple of months off of work. I think you need to go inpatient. And I think you need to deal with this. And I said, I, you know, at the time, you know, I was making a good amount of money at this, at my job, regardless of the fact that I hated it. And, you know, I had a boyfriend, I had all these other things going on. And I was like, I, I can't just drop my life. I'm not, I'm not going, you know, I'll take care of this on my own. And I left and I did decide at that moment, like that, in that week, I, you know, I told my trainers, I said, I'm not doing the race. In one sense, I felt like I was in the best physical condition of my life. Like, you know, I had trained so hard for this race. I had done, you know, in terms of functionality and things like that, but I was in the, you know, my mental state was nowhere near where it should have been. And so I did make that decision and I decided to stop working with my trainers for a while, but I did, and, you know, and I, I, I should say I backed off of a exercise slightly, but you know, it, I literally for that nine months prior to the race, I didn't take one rest day. So, you know, I, I decided to, to back off a little bit of exercise. You know, part of me wanted to develop that healthy relationship that I had with exercise prior to, and then there was a bigger part of me that wouldn't let it go. So, you know, even without my trainers, I just continued to kind of do the same thing really the next year. And then come October, 2012, um, my dad was diagnosed with stage four liver, lung and stomach cancer. And my dad was my rock. He was, you know, I'm, I love my mom and I've always, I've had a pretty good relationship with her, but my dad was my best friend. And I don't think I've, he, he didn't live even in the country for a good part of my life, but I don't think I ever went more than two days without talking to him in my entire life. And <clears throat> he was diagnosed with stage four and was told he had six weeks to live. And I was still at this job that I hated. And at that time, at that moment, I was like, I, I ended up leaving my job. And I said, I need to be with my dad. And um, I took a leave and never went back. Um, I did, my dad did pass away six weeks later in November of 2012. And I, there was also a lot of issues going on with my mom at the time and my family. Um, there was a lot of tension. And I was in this relationship still that was, um, became, was becoming more toxic and more toxic. And I was just not in a great mental state and um, you know, the, the obsession with exercise and the obsession with eating just got worse on top of it at the time, you know, I started the weekends, I would just go out and party. I was, I was really ignoring everything in my relationship with food and exercise just got worse and worse and worse. And 
three months after my boyfriend and I broke up, um, my best friend from the time I was like 12 years old, got in an accident and passed away. And it was, you know, probably it was the worst year of my life. And I was just, I was not in a great place. And I just continued to spiral. I was not eating enough at all. And, you know, the exercise was really the, that was my coping mechanism. You know, the eating was control, the exercise was control, but the exercise was really the time that I went to just kind of forget about everything and forget about all the the hurt. You know, I, I have never, I, I, I never really grew up in a family that were, you really learned to kind of express how you felt. You're kind of praised for being strong. So it was confusing for me. And I had, a, I had support, but at the same time, I wasn't really seeking out that support. And, and I started working for my brother um, who owns an herbal extract company. And, you know, I was over there doing work with him one day and I was like helping him move a box and I was so fatigued. Like at this point, like it hurt to go upstairs. Um, it, you know, I, I couldn't sleep by the, and this had now been like five years without my period too, um, just for another reference. And I was with my brother one day and I was like, I was moving a box and I got really, really tired. And he looked at me and he was like, he, he just said, um, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I was like, what, what do you mean? And he was like, what is wrong with you? And he was like, and he looked at me and he's like, you have, he's like, you are soulless. He's like, he's like, you're wasting away. And he said, if you don't make a change now, he's like, I'm not going to have a sister in three months. He's like, your organs are shutting down and I'm watching it happen. He wasn't very soft about it and he really did want to get through to me he wanted to scare me and he did and after that conversation I decided to seek out help and you know I had seen therapists in the past but um I I'd never you know my they just never worked for me um so I was hesitant but you know I had actually had a friend who um went through some of her own issues with eating growing up and then that she had shared quite a bit with me and I actually reached out to her and I said you know do you have any recommendations and that's when I started seeing the therapist who I'm still seeing today and this was probably five years ago at this point and you know over the course of three years of working with her and then working with another a dietitian as well which was at the time I was very persistent, but I did not want to see another dietitian after my previous experience, but I'm glad I did. And the woman I work with is actually a very holistic approach. Um, and I learned a lot about myself throughout that process. Um, you know, that three years of recovery. Um, and I say three years because there, you know, there was a milestone where I actually got my period for the first time in eight years, but you know, you're, I feel like I'm always going to be in recovery um, in some respect. It gets easier, but it's not always gone completely. Um, but it was three years of really learning a lot about myself, um, learning to really love myself and not for the reasons that I thought I should love myself. You know, I, I think I made a post a while back about having unconditional love and unconditional love for yourself. I learned 
you know, in that recovery, you know, it was never about food and it was never about exercise. It was never even really about how I looked because I was very unhappy with how I looked when I was, you know, rock bottom, um, you know, that it never made me happy. I was never happy with that. But for some reason, it took me so long to make a change. And it was a process. Um, I ended up working with a dietitian who, you know, she didn't sit there and tell me, you need to eat this and you need to eat this and you need to eat this. It was, it was about working with, you know, feeling comfortable with food and having a good relationship with it almost treating it like it you know it's it's its own like human being um and just being kind to yourself and it was a long process but my relationship with food and my relationship with exercise got better and it got easier when I did start addressing what the real issues were and you know those those were deep internal issues that I really never addressed and I'd never really learned to appreciate myself for who I was. And I guess I, I don't know if I went off on a tangent there, but <laughs> that was, that was a little bit pretty much my, my story up until about probably two years ago. So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that with us and going so deep and being so vulnerable and really like sharing a lot of what you went through and you experienced a lot of hardship and a lot of difficult, I almost want to say trauma. Like I want to say like a lot of trauma with losing your dad and losing your friend. That's so challenging. So I appreciate you being so vulnerable and willing to, to let us know really what, letting us know your story and letting us in. And I think your story is really relatable with, you know, taking Adderall and smoking cigarettes. Like that was something I've talked about that on the podcast and lots of women on the podcast have talked about that and being a type A and always thinking about what's next and really wanting to strive to be the best. And I think this is a really powerful message of how, you know, pursuing health and fitness can, can turn into an eating disorder. And I'm, you had said here at the end that you realized that it wasn't about the food and it wasn't really about what you looked like. Like even when you were at your lowest, it didn't make you happy. If you'd like to share, I'm curious, like what were some of the things that it was actually about? Because I think we hear that all of the time, like, oh, it's not about the food. And sometimes it's hard to hear that, that it's not about the food because when you're in it, it feels like it's about the food. It does. And when I say it's not about the food and it's funny that you, you know, you bring up that I was vulnerable because, you know, that's something that I had to learn throughout my recovery. It's something that I was never, ever comfortable with my whole life. You know, I'm still not very comfortable with it. I'm, I'm more comfortable with it because I've kind of discovered that part of myself, but you know, I was afraid to take my guard down. Like I said, I grew up in a family where you're praised for being strong. Yeah. Um, and you didn't really acknowledge the weaknesses, you know, when you're, when I was training hard and, you know, it was like, you're a machine, you know, like, and you, it's like almost like, and I've heard this quote, I think it was actually, um, Rini, I own it, babe, you know, don't let your struggle become your identity. And, and that's, you know, that happens, you know, with an eating disorder, you know, you're with a lot of people, you know, you're, you become the athletic one or the fit one or the, the thin one or the one that eats healthy food all the time. And it's like, that becomes your identity because you let it. And I think in that you're kind of, it's like, I was afraid to actually show 
my true self. And like I said, you know, it was what it really was about was the control. And I say that because it felt so real. I felt like I had control over all of the things that were falling apart around me as long as I could keep myself in control. But that control is not real. It never was. You know, it's, it's very artificial. What it really was about was discovering self-love. Um, it was really about embracing things that I might have seen as flaws about myself um, and loving yourself for them. A lot of times throughout my recovery, it was, you know, I would talk to my therapist or I would talk to my dietitian, and, you know, they would make references, you know, like, think about it like yourself as like a child. You know, would you want your child to be, to have all this pressure? You know, would you want them to be under eating? Would you want them to be pushing themselves too hard? Start Start thinking about yourself as a child. Start thinking about how you would care for a child and and that always really resonated with me because it was like I I needed to be I needed to learn to be gentle with myself instead it was I was just I would just pick myself apart I would pick my flaws apart and then instead of picking myself apart it was really about changing that that conversation with yourself and like you know when you go to restrict or you go to over exercise or you know your body feels worn out and you still are pushing it like it's like stopping slowing down and being gentle and thinking about like what what is it that's really bothering you at this very moment and I realized that there was a lot of just hurt there was a lot you know especially I think after my relationship ended you know on top of losing my dad it was like I I felt like I had and then you know my best friend I, I felt like I had lost the safe places that I had in my life I didn't feel safe anymore and I think part of me kind of wanted to just kind of like shrivel away and not have to deal with it you know I because everything else felt out of control it was the only thing I could control was my body so I don't know if that really answers your question but I you know I think it's it was about the control you know it wasn't about the food it wasn't about the exercise and it wasn't really even about how I looked it was just feeling like I had control over my life when I really didn't, when I was really actually losing control of my life because, you know, I was isolating myself. I wasn't allowing myself to love. I wasn't allowing myself to be loved. And, you know, I, it was funny. It was right when I hit my like goal weight that I actually met like about a month later, like, you know, my clinical goal weight when I was working with my dietitian a few years ago, it's like a month later that I started dating my boyfriend who I'm with now and you know it was it, I was finally open you know I was finally able to love myself enough that I was attracting that into my life you know I I had dated throughout the years between then and when my boyfriend and I broke up but I was not attracting the right types of people and and I really wasn't allowing the love into my life so you know I think I just had a lot of I had a lot of self discovery to do I think I also grew up really fast. I was always, I, I was the youngest in my family and I always dated older people. I was friends with older people and I had a lot of fun in some respect, but I was also very, I didn't allow myself to always really just enjoy being like a kid 
and that's one thing I asked, you know, I, I learned in my, in, in recovery, it was just learning to like laugh and play. And those types of things were way more fulfilling than what I was doing prior. When you really start recognizing that, it's when it gets a little easier. The beginning of recovery, you know, physically is very challenging for somebody who hasn't been eating a lot because physically you experience a lot of digestive issues and things like that. And when you're not in that state of mind, that healthy state of mind, you know, it becomes a battle, like a mental battle, you know, and feeling that physical discomfort, you know, I just remember it used to make me spiral, you know, and I would get anxious about feeling full and, but like, it's as soon as you stop focusing on those things, as soon as you stop focusing on the food and you, you know, I started just seeing the food as, you know, fuel and enjoyment was when mentally it gets a little bit easier. And, you know, when you start enjoying what's in front of you and you start going out with your friends again and you start really enjoying the true pleasure, pleasures of life is, is when all that physical discomfort gets a lot easier because it almost dissipates um, because it's being replaced with joy. And I think, you know, another part is that, you know, you can't experience joy without experience experiencing sadness and I think for a long time I didn't want to acknowledge when I was feeling sad or I didn't want to acknowledge when I felt like I was victimized you know because that made me feel vulnerable and I think ignoring that and pushing that away contributed to my eating disorder in a lot in a, in a lot of respects so learning to actually be able to express when you're feeling sad or when you feel shame or, you know, anything like that, acknowledging those emotions for me was a big part of my recovery as well. And, and that's when food got easier because it was, and that's when I really re started realizing like it really wasn't about the food, you know, it was really about what was going on inside of me. And um, yeah, so I don't know if that, Hopefully that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely answers the questions. And you hit on so many really important, critical components of, I think, most of our eating disorder recoveries. And, you know, one of the last things you had said about, you know, not being willing to acknowledge your grief or your sadness or your pain or when you felt victimized inhibited your ability to feel the joy, the pleasure, the fun, the ease, the happiness. And when we're numbing ourselves out with our eating disorders, it's how one of the ways that we don't feel those intense emotions is by numbing out with the eating disorder, by focusing on the eating disorder. And one of, and same for me, like a key component was actually feeling my feelings as opposed to mm -hmm. numbing out or checking out or distracting with the food and the exercise. And it takes real courage and bravery to be able to like really admit like, wow, there's like heaviness here. There's darkness here. There's pain here. And to being willing to feel it is necessary so that you can move through it and transmute it and get to those higher level emotions that you're talking about. And you had talked quite a bit about how you were ignoring that you didn't have your period. And, you know, the first time your doctor said you had an eating disorder, you kind of brushed it off too. And so it's like, it's easy to, I don't know if easy is the right word, but it's, it takes something to really be like, okay, I have a problem. I'm in, not well. And 
being willing to feel the feelings so that you can get better, like that really takes something, you know? Mm-hmm. It does. And, you know, I, I don't talk a lot about my eating disorder, you know, on Instagram and things like that anymore. I, I did in the past. And I kind of changed that approach, not because I think for me, um, you know, I wanted to share my story and, you know, I, I wanted to give other people's people hope, but my, my goals, um, and, you know, my career goals and, and what I want to do didn't, it was like, I, you know, I, I want to be, I, I love creating recipes. I love taking photos. I love, um, like, you know, I'm working on my cookbook this year and, and that's what I want to do. And I I felt, I think a lot of pressure because, you know, I, I used to post about it in the past, you know, and, and not very frequently, but every once in a while, you know, I would post and, and I know I got a lot of great messages, you know, like a lot of people inspired people and things like that. But I also got a lot of questions. And I remember feeling overwhelmed at one point because I didn't feel like I was, I didn't feel like I was in a position at the time, like I was still figuring things out to be trying to give people advice. You know, I, I know I knew what was working for me at the time, but thinking back to when I was in a really, really bad place, I know that I was only hearing what I wanted to hear. And when you're talking to somebody online, you know, you don't know exactly where they are. And, you know, I would always try and, you know, send positive messages back and, you know, you got this type thing. But I started to feel a lot of pressure. And that's, and that's kind of why I started straying away from that, because that wasn't really that my goal is not to become, you know, my Instagram, you know, if you look at it, clearly, it's all food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm not, I, I don't want to um, be giving people advice, because I don't want to be giving people the wrong advice. And you know, like what, what happened, what worked for me, worked for me. And I never went inpatient. And I probably should have because what my brother said that day when he said my organs were shutting down, he was right. But I was very stubborn and I didn't want to go inpatient. And I'm very lucky that I was able to recover without it. You know, I, my therapist, I don't think thought that I would, but I did. And, but I also know where my will is. And, you know, when, when I made that decision, I was serious and I was able to hold myself accountable, but it was very difficult. And, you know, I wouldn't always recommend that approach to a lot of people. So, you know, that's kind of why I've strayed away from talking a lot more about it on Instagram, because I don't want to be giving people the wrong advice. And um, I get a lot, I still get a lot of questions, um, messages and things like that. And, you know, did you experience, you know, digestive discomfort? Like, what do, what do you do? And, you know, I, I only say so much. I'm very careful about what I say because it's, you know, it's difficult. So, yeah, so that's kind of. <laughs> yeah, being in, like you had said that it made, you had felt pressure around it and that it was overwhelming. And at the same time, it that also is ha- that shows your integrity around this subject because you're right what works for you might not work for somebody else and it's easily to it's easy to potentially say something that isn't helpful to someone when your intention is to be helpful so that shows a lot of integrity and i also i also hear you when you say that that like isn't really what your goals are 
that your career goals were like, I want to be an eating disorder advocate or a spokesperson or whatever. And that's totally valid too. Like you don't owe anybody that, you know, and I, I appreciate you sharing your story here with us. And Oh, absolutely. And this has, um, like, I'm happy to come on. I'm happy to share my story and all that. I just, when I, I, I just wanted to kind of hit on, hit on that as to why, you know, why I don't really talk about it on Instagram a lot. And it's because I, I, I felt, you know, I just didn't feel like I was in a position to be giving other people advice. You know, I, I want to inspire, but I felt like there was, it was just like, a, I was, it was a tough line for me um, between, you know, inspiring somebody and people, you know, asking for the help because I needed, I know, you know, I don't, I know that I couldn't have done it alone. And for a long time, I thought I could, but I couldn't, you know, I, I needed that help. And I think that's the biggest piece of advice that I have for anybody suffering with an eating disorder is, is to get help because it's really hard to do by yourself. It's really, really hard. Um, and if I hadn't, you know, if I had never walked into that, my therapist's office that day, and I almost didn't that day, you know, I don't think I would be where I am today. So I, you know, I definitely think you need help. I think anybody in that position needs help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, that's encouraging words for anyone listening who's been resistant to getting help. They might get help now after hearing your story. And I think that this is like the perfect opportunity to, to talk a little bit more. I was reading your website um, and you had said that you created your Instagram account to help you with your personal journey to restoring a healthy relationship with food. So how has cooking helped you in that process or what role has um, learning to cook played in the healing, in getting well, you where you are now? Well, I will say, I mean, I have been, I've been in the kitchen since I was five. You know, I've always had a love for cooking and that's something that I, I did grow up with in my family was, um, you know, I had parents who were both very good cooks. I had brothers who went to um, culinary school. One of my brothers was a chef and I, you know, I've always loved to cook. And even in college, like, you know, I was, I was always cooking for all my friends. Like when we all had no money, <laughs> it was just something that I always loved to do. And when, when food became my enemy um, and became my challenge, that was actually a loss for me because you know, I have a very strong passion for food and cooking. And, and I think that I display that through my Instagram and through my blog, you know, that's, it's all, that's all like my genuine love for like, that is my passion. And in a lot of respects, it was a loss for me. And it was like, I, you know, I lost a big part of me and I still cooked for other people throughout my eating disorder. You know, I would cook all the time for other people. I wouldn't eat it, but I always cooked for other people. Um, I love to do it. And it was like, I was missing out on a big part. And when I started my, my journey to healing, you know, I wanted to hold myself accountable. So that's when I actually started my Instagram. And it literally started with me just snapping pictures of my breakfast or snapping pictures of my lunch and sharing them. And, you know, in the beginning, you know, I, it was my old, it was, it was actually, so my screen name as a kid was Star Infinitude. Uh -huh. And 
<laughs> that was actually my original. I, I had an Instagram that was Star Infinitude, and I um, I hardly ever posted on it, so I just decided to start using that one. So I started using that. I started posting pictures, and you know, for like the first year, it was just people I knew followed me and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, one day, I just started to gain followers, and you know about probably about like six to eight months into like sharing food daily I realized that I really enjoyed the process of creating the recipe not well not only creating the recipe but creating a dish and spending time loving it and when I say that like and that's that's when it comes to like styling it making it look beautiful making it look as good as I want it as it tasted you know like it was just like I, I really I developed this really strong passion to do it. Um, and I fell in love with the food photography aspect of it. I fell in love with the styling aspect of it. And I decided at that point, um, I took a couple like basic photography classes and I got a camera and, or actually, no, I borrowed my brother's camera for a while there and I learned how to use it. And I started, um, you know, my photography started to get better and I, I enjoyed what I was doing. And at the time also, so I didn't really mention this, but I had started a dog walking company. Um, and that was really my full-time job, um, for a while, like for a couple years there. Um, and then, you know, when my, I really started playing around more, um, I started to like kind of make some friends through Instagram and then I started growing and my, I just kept on practicing and I kept and you know, and then I started to take it really seriously. And I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to do. And I just remember the day, like, it dawned on me. I was like, I don't really know what to call myself, but I want to take pictures of food and I want to make recipes. And I did. And it just evolved from there. And I just had fun with it. And I still do. Um, you know, as overwhelmed I get as I get sometimes because, you know, running your own business is definitely, um, as you know, it's a challenge. And, you know, I just recently hired my first employee. So, you know, I've been a one man show for one woman show for um, a long time now. It just, I still have that, like, like that playfulness every single day because, you know, it's, it's fun for me. It's therapeutic for me. And I guess, you know, yes, it started out as just holding myself accountable by snapping pictures of my food, but through doing that, I was able to really visualize like what balance was. And I say that because even something as simple as like putting a plate of food together, like you can tell, like, you, you know, you look at something and you're like, something's missing, or, you know, <laughs> some, you know, things like that. And, and it actually helped me in my recovery. And, and sometimes, you know, and I, I've talked to people, you know, sometimes going into something that involves food, as a career after an eating disorder can really be a challenge and it, and it can almost create setbacks in some respect. But for me, it didn't, it really actually helped me. So I feel grateful for discovering that. And I was able to discover my love for food again. Uh, and it just became exciting. Uh, after about, you know, I was still, even in my first year of recovery, I was still pretty restrictive. You know, I was eating more and I was, putting on the weight that I needed to but I was still I had a lot of fears of 
different foods and be like being able to play around with new products, you know, companies sending me products and trying new things. It was actually really helpful for me because I like, I stopped being so afraid of things, you know, it's, it was like a gradual process, but um, it really helped me along. And it was just, it's just, it's fun for me. So I did not start my Instagram with the intention of becoming a food blogger. I did not start my intention, my Instagram with the intention of growing to whatever I'm, I'm almost at 200,000 followers, which is crazy to me. Um, like I, that was never an intent of mine. Um, but I am so grateful that it's brought me to where I am because I love doing it. And, uh, I, I have such a love for food that has returned into my life. And it's like that piece that was like missing for so long. Um, so I'm really grateful for the journey and, even as frustrating as Instagram can be sometimes, as everybody knows. Um, it's just, I, I really enjoy, enjoy what I do. So. Yeah. And I, I really relate in terms of how you shared that like cooking and the styling and the photography, you know, it sounds like this was a form of creative self-expression and it was a hobby and it was something that while yes, it still had to do with food, it was something outside of your eating disorder that you could put your energy into and your love into and your creativity into and your time and your focus and your attention and that it helped you in the healing process. And I think what you said is completely valid that for some people, it's not helpful to like be surrounded by food or to work in a restaurant or whatever. But for a lot of us, you and myself included, it was actually a healing component. It was a, a part of it. And, and the fact that it turned into this career is incredible. Congrats on your first employee. Congrats on the cookbook. That's like awesome. Um, yeah, sometimes Instagram sucks. I wanted to like piggyback on what you had said too. Like sometimes Instagram's difficult, but at the same time, it's, it's been this awesome tool that has really changed both of our lives in a really, really cool way. One last question, Caitlin, and we'll wrap this up. What is your favorite food? That's a hard one. <laughs> Out of all the questions you asked. <laughs> Maybe just a few of them. Um, well, I am, I mean, I am a big fan of seafood. Um, you see a lot of seafood on my feed. Um, yeah, you're like the scallop and salmon Sunday queen. So <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of seafood. So I think growing up, actually, my favorite food was always lobster. Um, especially growing up in New England, it was always fresh in the summer. I literally could probably eat like five of those when I was like 10 years old. I do really love potatoes <laughs> um, in like all forms, mashed potatoes, french fries, um, baked potatoes, sweet potatoes. And then I am a big, big, big chocolate lover. I love chocolate and I could, I probably eat chocolate every single day. So I would say those are some of my favorites. <laughs> I would say chocolate, seafood, potatoes. <laughs> but like I said, I, I don't really discriminate. I eat most food, so. Nice, nice. Yeah, and the potato, I mean, cauliflower is giving it a run for its money in terms of versatility and what you can use with it. But potatoes, I feel like hands down are the most versatile plant food on the planet. So I'm a fan too. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I mean, I love cauliflower too, so. <laughs> 
Yeah, cauliflower is amazing. Um, so thank you so much for being with us, Caitlin. This has been an awesome interview. And I know that so many people listening are really going to deeply relate and resonate with your story. So again, just thank you again for being willing to share that with us. Where can everybody find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Star Infinite Food. That is my handle. Um, I also have a website, which is starinfinitefood.com. Other than that, I should be coming out with a cookbook this year, which is pretty exciting. So you'll be, you can probably find me somewhere after that. <laughs> I'm not really sure exactly how that all plays out yet because it's my first time doing it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing like your first time. I learned a lot with writing the cookbook that I'm like my second one, it's going to be an entirely different process and I'm going to approach it entirely differently. Like I learned so much because I had no idea. I'm here for you if you have any questions. Um, just like on a side personal note, because I just finished mine, but yeah, like it's, a, it's an undertaking and like, yeah, I like did not know what I was doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yes. I did my best. I did my best. I'm really proud of it. But like, yeah, like I feel you. Like it's, I know there's no manual on like how to write a cookbook. So I know. <laughs> Wish there was. Yeah, but I'm sure it will be amazing. So thank you again, Caitlin. It was great to, to chat with you. Thank you. Wait, don't go yet. Did you get a lot out of this episode today? Was it helpful? Did you enjoy it? If so, then one of the most helpful things you can do in return is to leave a ratings and review on iTunes, share it with a friend, or share it in your Instagram stories. If you loved this episode, be sure to tag both Caitlin and I so that we know. I know that Caitlin would love to see that this story, this, this uh, podcast resonated with you and inspired you. All right. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys all next week. Oh, 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 oh,